0: Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringe-worthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Krishna and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today I have a very special guest, Nimesh Patel. Welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. So I actually discovered you on TikTok.
1: Uh Uh-oh. That's a new foray. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was scrolling and I was like, wait, is this guy Indian? Because (laughs) where did your accent come from? I love it, but I'm like, this guy is
1: Indian. (laughs) It's, It's New Jersey. This is what people from New Jersey sound like. I've gotten that question a lot. I don't really... No, I mean, if I, I will, my understanding of language is that it's whatever you're around is what you absorb. And uh, I guess I just have deep voiced people around me. And uh, my dad worked in East Orange in Newark since he was like 17. So he would come home just speaking like I speak. I guess that's just how it sounded absorbed into my brain. And that's the only explanation I can give that wouldn't be completely illogical. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely not on purpose. I mean, I can I can sound different. Like if I wanted to talk like this, I could. But
0: yeah, no, I love it. You know, it passes the vibe check as the kids say. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I'm 36 on TikTok feeling 85. Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, rough.
1: My best dance moves are behind me.
0: (laughs) So you're from New Jersey. I mean, you have a Wikipedia. You're a big deal.
1: (laughs) I have a Wikipedia, which is very surprising to me, too.
0: Yes. So your dad came here, well, your grandfather came here in the 70s and worked at Macy's. That's iconic.
1: Yeah, he worked at, it was called Bambergers back when he uh, first started working there. He was a cashier in Newark, New Jersey. Then he moved to Parsippany, New Jersey. I don't know how they picked it. I should know the story. Maybe that's a question I'll ask my parents. I think it was just like random. Yeah. I think they're just like, where's cheap? And where can we get a house where all six of us at the time could live? You know, my grandparents and then their four kids were adults. But you know, that's how it was back in the day. You all just lived in one house until you got enough money to move out of that house. And so that's what happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not too familiar with the New Jersey area, even though I lived in New York for a bit, but I have huh. seen the TV commercials on the Indian channels. And our people are in Parsippany.
1: We are. We are. It's Edison 2.0. Yeah. That's new Indian money. Parsippany right. right now.
0: Right. So you went to NYU. And I, I found this in common with you. You graduated in 09. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. And, 08. 08, and mm-hmm. I graduated with my MBA in finance in 09. I wanted to be an investment banker. Mm-hmm. No one was hiring. Right. <laughs> so I was jobless for a year and a half, actually. What was your... Yeah experience?
1: I graduated in 08 from Stern, the undergrad program, and I had a finance degree. And I wasn't the best student. So let's not give me any credit there. <laughs> relative to my peers, I was still okay. But relative to my peers with like three sevens, three nines who were like interviewing at Goldman and what have you and getting jobs there, like, you know, you've been through the finance super day situation. So it's like, I think I had one or two super days, one with Houlihan and another with Morgan Joseph, which are boutique investment banks or mid-tier investment banks. And neither one of those panned out. Um, although Houlihan, I look back and I've been like, I could have, I should have gotten that job had I like said X, Y, Z.
0: Right. Morgan
1: Joseph, had I like touch base with my friend who used to work there, he could have hit his MD up and be like, yo, just hire this guy. Both of those didn't work out. But so once those didn't pan out, it might've been like April of or May of 2008 when like I was finally like, I was in the Crux of like the final stages of recruiting, and nothing happened. And then by that point, my heart wasn't, well, my brain wasn't in finance. So it wasn't like I thought I would just get a job easily, but that didn't happen. And then I wasn't looking elsewhere. You know, I had friends who got jobs I was like working in audit, working in X and Y, and like other places within finance that would allow them have now played out so that they're making crazy money, but it wasn't the traditional banker route. And I was just following what I thought people would do. So when I graduated in 08, I was kind of listless. It's like, fuck, what am I going to do? Right. Moved back home to Jersey, got a random internship at this company called fivemin.com. And I was like making like 10 bucks an hour commuting from my parents' place. And I felt like, why the fuck did I go to school? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Then I got a temp job at Bloomberg in Skildman, New Jersey. And I was working, my cousin hooked me up and I was working there for a few months. And then a bunch of us got laid off. And I was like, probably summer of 09, I was like, I'm kind of screwed. I got to figure something out to do. Right. I never had a problem speaking to people and I like to take bold chances. So the CEO, Dan Doktoroff of Bloomberg came into the office one day and I just emailed him and I was like, yo, I know you, you're on the board of the city's economic development corporation. Can I work there? Cause we're about to get laid off here. And he was like, hit up this guy. Seth Pinsky, I remember he was the head of the New York City Economic Development Corporation at the time, got an internship there. But in that, like finding a job and like still trying to find a job, I caught the comedy bug. I had taken a writing class at, while I was at Bloomberg and I fucking it was like a really sappy. But sheet. you did
0: it. You took those steps. How many people say they want to get into comedy and then don't even take a writing class?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the writing class. The writing class wasn't a comedy class. It was a writing class to be like a sappy novelist.
0: Oh, this is, okay.
1: This shit is so corny. Uh, <laughs> uh so I like, what am I telling? You're I'm like, just
0: go this- to therapy.
1: Yes, yeah, fucking. Who, who are you people to hear what I've been through? <laughs> and yeah. so that summer, I don't even remember when I got that internship at the EDC, but that summer I got on stage in New Jersey and I was like, oh, this is fun. And since then it was August, 2009, I was like, I want to do comedy. And that was really it. And it's like, everything I did after that was to pursue the goal of comedy. And, you know, my toes were in finance for a very long time. Like I was interning at a hedge fund, my friend's hedge fund, just to like stay in the city and have a reason to be in the city and try to land a job really that would pay enough so I could pay rent. Right. And that took like a year and some change to do actually. And then when I finally got the job, I was like, okay, cool. Now I can really do comedy open mics every night and be in the city, make rent. My parents don't got to worry anymore.
0: Your parents were concerned.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, an NYU grad with no job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, they were like, why the fuck did we spend all this money for you to go? So we took out loans for you and shit. I know. And, and they're like, you were pre-med, you dropped that, and now you want to do comedy like some fucking crazy person. They had so much to learn, as did I, about what the comedy, game. I didn't know what comedy was, you know, they didn't know what the fuck it was. So that was both a learning experience, and like really like I'm positive they grew from it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I did too.
0: I say we train our parents because, yeah. you know, I was in the same situation. However, I wasn't getting a job at all. I was having super day after super day and I would never say the right thing. I knew what they wanted me to say. I just couldn't do it.
1: And then all I'd right. never
0: get the job because part of me always thought maybe this person will like me for who I am. And that never panned out. And right. then I got into fashion <laughs> and, you know, it led me to TV. But I understand TV, comedy, Indian parents. That's not why you were born.
1: <laughs> no, 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 it's not why we were here. We trained
0: yeah, them yeah, yeah. and now, you know, they get it. They're on board.
1: It's taken some time, but it worked. Yeah, It worked out for them.
0: <laughs> how did you even get into stand up? Like, meaning how did you even get clubs to get you in? Because I'm going to get to the next part, which I think is just the universe. Where you're uh-huh. in Greenpoint, we know what happens in Greenpoint. So, mm-hmm. how did you even get to that stage where a comedy club would let you stand well, up? Well, the
1: first the first show ever was an open mic, and open mic is anyone; it's open to anybody. You can go, but this one was at Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and it was a bringer. A bringer means you got to bring people to get oh, stage time. You okay. know, you want to be on our stage, you got to pay us basically, right. and. I didn't know that that wasn't the only way to do it. But at that point I was like, well, I got 20 cousins in New Jersey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they will come. And they did, you know, that first night. And then, you know, after that, it's just like open mics, are just that, you know, some, a lot of them, you gotta pay to get on stage, you know, pay $5 or buy a drink to, you know, get five minutes on stage. And, you know, I was like, fuck it. I mean, I didn't know that that wasn't, I mean, I knew that there were other open mics that were free and stuff, but I also knew that, you know, to get the most stage time, you're gonna have to pay. And so that's what I did. And that was really it. And then, you know, the process is such that you get recognized, people like your work, They hey, you want to do this show. And as long as you keep iterating on that, more and more people see you, more and more people think you're funny, more and more people give you opportunities. And, you know, you capitalize on those opportunities and just keep trying to move forward. And that's really what happened as I look back at it. That's the simplest way to to put it, you know.
0: So then you're performing in Greenpoint and Chris Rock, discovers you I mean how does that even
1: happen that's the universe yes the universe had aligned you know three years prior to that that was summer of 2015 three years prior to that my friend Mike Denny who was a comic approached me and Michael Che to like be residents on a show he was starting maybe four three years before four. I would say 2011 I think I have the exact date somewhere but it's 2011, 2012 that Denny was like, hey man, you guys are really funny. I'm starting a show. Would you want to be residents on it? Residents meaning like the guys who always get to perform right. no matter who else is on the show. You're in the rotation. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, of course, you know, guaranteed stage time once a week and a show to make my own Sure, I'll, I'll happy to do that. And so Che and I and Danny started the show called Broken Comedy. Danny started a show called Broken Comedy, brought us on and we kind of became Broken Comedy, the three of us together. And by the summer of, 2015, we had become you know one of the hottest shows in New York. You know, a lot of that was due to the fact that che was like a exponential growth in terms of how popular he became and how he was always like the funniest guy in the world. But like his popularity kind of drew a lot of people to the show, and at some point became like the show to be at only because who knew was going to drop in and and watch or hang out and whatever. So by that summer, it was a very hot show. And this comic named Langston Kerman, who you'll see in The Boys on Amazon, and he's been on Secure and Comedy Central, super funny, super nice. He was performing on the show, but Chris Rock was coming to watch him because a producer wanted to attach Chris to a project that Langston was on. And Chris was late. And so Langston couldn't go up until Chris got there. And there was no other comic there. And I was like, I'll go up and Kevin McCaffrey was went first, super funny guy, and killed, like, destroyed the room. The yeah. room is normally notoriously, like, impossible. And I tended to bomb there nine times out of ten. This <laughs> was my room. I just fucked around, and I also, you know, wasn't the best. And so Kevin destroys. I get a text. Chris Rock is outside. I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm definitely going up. If Chris is here, I'm going up.
0: That's the energy. Like I say, big dick energy. That's the energy <laughs> you need because... That's your moment, right? That's the opportunity. You have to be ready. And you weren't scared. You were ready. You got to
1: know when the universe is aligning for you. And I wasn't thinking that then. I was thinking, I'm performing if Chris is here. (laughs) You know, Chris is seeing me at my best. And the room was super hot. And Chris walks in. I was like, I'm either going to destroy my life or I'm going to fucking have a great night. So I went up and I'd written a joke in the bathroom while right before I was going up.
0: That's where the magic happened.
1: It really was. My dick was in my hand. (laughs) Cecil the lion had just died. And I was like, why do we care about lions? You know, I had four chickens today. (laughs) And for some reason that hit Chris. I remember saying that on stage. And I was like that, like the way I work is like, I'll try to have something that I'm really excited about to say. So that like subconsciously or consciously while I'm on stage, I can be working towards saying that. And so once I said that as a new thing and I heard Chris laugh, I was like, Good money. It's in yeah, the bag. Not, not even in the bag. I just kind of blacked out. <laughs> I just had a set that was like destructive and killed. I got off stage, went outside. Chris came out after watching Langston, told me I was funny. And that was enough to be like, all right, I'm gonna put that on my tombstone when they ask what I want on it when I'm dead. You know, yeah. Chris to me that's funny. That's really all that mattered. And then that was it really. It was like, that was all that happened that night. And then, you know, a few months later, I got an email saying, Chris wants you to write for the Oscars. I was like, that's fucking nuts. And then two days later, we were at the Mandarin Oriental having lunch, the writing team and I and and, and Chris, and we were just like, we're going to the Oscars. you know?
0: Dreams come true, guys. Dreams come true. You yeah, wrote for the 88th Academy Awards.
1: I did. Yeah, 2016.
0: And then you became the first Indian writer on SNL.
1: I did. I did. No one I can think, take that I away. Think- no one has challenged that fact. I hope there was another Indian person because <laughs> I don't want to be the hero, but I'm happy to be the hero uh, if y'all need one. But, we need uh, one. <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah, it was It was cool. I mean, me being Indian had nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> I, just, I, I just happened to be Indian when I got hired, but that's not to say, that should just be like, oh, an Indian person can work there. It can be possible, you know? So
0: Well, and then... I'm going to briefly touch on this because i don't like to dwell in the past and it's onward and upward for me but you had that columbia university incident in 2018 uh-huh. i heard you on joe rogan i like to pick a lane in life i think the joke was funny and my podcast is called currently cringing so i thought mm-hmm. it was like a cringeworthy life experience and you <laughs> recently posted video i guess people Uh, can decide for themselves
1: yeah i mean really i wasn't going to post the whole thing because i was over it but then i did this interview with the juggernaut which is south asian focused publication they interviewed me and the interview ended up being very different than the conversation we had and that, that just like when i was reading it i was like okay and then that reminded me i had read something else where someone had just straight up lied about what happened at the show. So I was like, you know what? fuck okay, it. if this is what's going to be out there, then you, you can judge for yourself about how it went. And, you know, I watched the set. and I'm like, yo, it could have been a much better set. But A, it wasn't a bomb. And even if it was a bomb, that's not a reason to be like, yo, we got to get the fuck off stage. And so I just put it up there like, yo, make your own decision. Feel however you want to feel about it. I know I feel about it. And I've talked to about it ad nauseum. Right. And so it's just like, this is all here. This is. I'm done with it completely, you know,
0: let the people decide. Yep. Agree. And so what have you been up to since then? Because I know you have an album. Uh Do you want to talk about it?
1: Sure, sure, sure. I mean, so that happened while I was the only reason there were cameras there is because I was recording an hour. That cold Columbia incident happened while I was recording an hour. So I had a camera crew there because I was recording an hour to try to sell the material to like HBO or Netflix or like, look, I, I have an hour of material that I think is very different and interesting and what have you. And so that didn't pan out from uh, the hour itself that I shot and the hours that I worked out. I just didn't like them. They didn't, weren't like that best quality. And so in summer of 2019, I recorded an album, which is basically the hour that I put out a month later. I recorded an album in DC, shout out to DC. And then I had decided that I would put the album out on the 10 year anniversary of me doing comedy. Okay. I mean, the album is two hours long because I did like an hour and 10 of stage time. And then I had a bunch of material that I was like, fuck it, I don't want to ever do this shit again. So I put another three tracks at the end of just like random stuff with like bonus music tracks. And so that was August of 2019 that I recorded the hour special by myself at the cellar. Um, to again, then if I could shop that hour, I would be very happy with. It. And so that's that's what I started shopping around for like six months or so. Netflix said no. HBO actually came to the taping and they liked it, but they're like, he's not famous. And right. <laughs> uh, and the industry is so, for lack of a better word, myopic. You know, you have a finance background. I have a slightly finance background, where it's like, I understand risk assessment, and it's like if you understand that I'm a very low risk investment with a high return profile, I would be betting on me constantly. But you know, the business doesn't work that way. The business works. They'll take just large bets on people that already exist for a very small return, which is stupid to me. That's not how Buffett invests, you know? And so they didn't buy the hour. And so in March of this year, once quarantine happened, I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna put it out. And it's got 805,000 views now. So in seven months or whatever it is, no, not even nine months very happy with that after i put the hour out after i shot the hour i decided i was going to record a music album because at the end of the album i put a bunch of comedy music tracks i love a weird owl. so at the end of the album there's two bonus music tracks and that inspired me to then record 10 other weird al inspired music tracks So i did that all of last year or the last three months of last year my friend armin my friend will mateo and steve castillo we worked together and put this crazy album together called platinum patelities which i also put out over quarantine and that's really it i mean i'm skipping a lot well people
0: can check it out at patel2020.com
1: i've been very prolific i think in the sense that i've just done a lot since Columbia. you know like Half of 2019, I worked for Full Frontal with Samantha B, where I was a field producer there. While I was a field producer there, I made my music album and I recorded my first hour that I put up on YouTube in March. And then once quarantine hit, I was like, fuck, I'm not gonna be able to do stand up. I got approached by a friend who wanted to do something about climate change. And his friends, investors, had this idea of like doing a bunch of tweets and about with animals talking about how their lives have been impacted by quarantine. Right. And I was like, that's kind of goofy. No comedy writer is going to want to do that. But my friend Mookie and I, Mookie Thompson, who was a comedy writing savant, we pitched them this idea of animals in quarantine <laughs> and how they would react to what's going on in the world with the themes of climate change and, and capitalism at the forefront and the subtext of what we wanted to be talking about. And that's the Zoo Idiots, which is like my proudest okay. work of this year. It's a labor of love that we made to get, I voice one of the characters, Muki does one of the characters. He did all the sound and editing. And then our friend Rob Lynch did the animating. And my friend Matt Weir is a producer on the show did like storyboards and does all the animals, some of the animals. And it was just like, so much fucking work. Yeah, it's a lot. You've done animation before?
0: I haven't, but people don't realize how exhausting content creation is in any yeah, form. Yeah,
1: it was so much work for just a little, like 10 minutes of stuff. But, you know, it was incredible. We learned a lot from the development process, from the character development process, from the writing process, from the dealing with executives process. Like So much that I've learned in the last seven months or so from working on this thing. It was just incredible. You can watch it at zooidiots.com. It's just like my favorite thing I've done this year. Patel 2020 is, uh, I still want to do stand-up and stand up is my first love and the thing that I'll do forever. This year, obviously, stand-up wasn't easy to do. And I kept writing and I had a bunch of stuff. I was like, I never want to talk about this shit again because it's 2020. Is just right. like, it's been such a wild year. I was like, I never want to talk about COVID again. I never want to talk about being sick. Kobe died. I was like, this is the year to talk about how much he meant to me. And so I went back to D.C., recorded four shows, two hours each night, and some speakeasy illegal shit. Everyone was masked, but it was definitely indoors recorded that and put that out like a half hour kind of mixtape on YouTube not two months ago. A month ago. Yeah.
0: I think people want to see, you know, comedians. I saw Russell Peter in April, I think, with a mask in Miami.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those places were slow to shut down. So people got those shows in, you know,
0: I went. Yeah. But well, speaking of quarantine, we're all on TikTok. Mm -hmm. I listened to you talk about the next generation of Indian kids and kids in general, mm-hmm. they're going to be wild.
1: Yes, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this next batch.
0: They're not like us. <laughs> they look better. First of all, they look better.
1: They're staying in shape. They got good skincare. They look <laughs> like Korean skincare kids, you know,
0: and you know, they're emo. They're emo. They're not afraid to talk about their feelings. They're deep.
1: I'm glad the pendulum has swung in that direction. You know, our parents are like very stoic and, you know, hardened. You know, our generation, this generation is like in the middle. So we're trying to figure things out. And the next generation is still trying to figure things out, but they're more open about it, which is great and uh beautiful to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, we need to definitely talk about mental health in our culture, which I know you try to do a lot. I
1: mean, yeah, that's
0: important. And a lot of people don't know. Well, I saw you're also a writer on the Late Night with Lily show.
1: Yeah, that just started. Shout out to Lily. That's a huge deal. Start, thank you. Yeah, it started. Two weeks ago, I think I got the call like a day or two before Thanksgiving that I got the job. You know, season one was what it was. We're approaching season two. I wasn't on season one, but she's approaching season two very differently. And I'm excited to see what we can make happen, you know?
0: Yeah, as much as we have cancel culture, I think we don't want to see people play it safe.
1: I don't want to see that either. And uh, I don't think Lily will. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm hopeful. So that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting. And you you also got married in a pandemic. I agree with you, you keep your private life private and I keep my personal life private too, even though it's non existent right now because I'm single (laughs) in a pandemic. Uh, uh, But you did get married in COVID. So did you have both families there? How did that happen?
1: We were gonna have two ceremonies, a Hindu one and, and the traditional American one, both of them got postponed. But my dad was like really old, and I was like, I gotta get married at least on paper. And so, luckily, our apartment building that we live in in Brooklyn has a, a nice rooftop, and the building was like, Yeah, I mean, you know, ten people out there. We didn't ask permission; we just been here. You for just so did long. it.
0: You just got married.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, so one of our friends who was supposed to administer the wedding couldn't because she couldn't get the paperwork done because of COVID. But one of our other friends had been ordained and one of my closest friends so he administered the wedding my parents came her parents came my sister her sister and and brother-in-law and their their son and then two or three of our friends like well our friend who was supposed to administer and then two of our other friends who were like my wife's closest friends and that was it really it was just like a very small tight-knit group as close as we could have it and you know amy and i my wife and i both had covid so i felt like a superhero, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel any concerns about getting it or, or anything of the sort. So I was like, yeah, you guys can come. We'll, we're safe. We'll be safe. Like, that's what life is. At the end of the day, is spending time with people you care about. Right. Why would you? you know, there's a few things, you know, no one's telling you to put your life at hyper risk, but you know, seeing your kids get married is one of those things where you kind of have to. So yeah. that was really it. That was the impetus behind it. And so just so I could call my daughter and be like, we did it. And, Show them the ring, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat. I think marriage is obsolete, but I would like to get married. You know, I, mm-hmm. I believe in monogamy and I'd like to get married, but mainly do the whole paper thing for my family. Right. That's what it would be for.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marriage is interesting. <laughs> it's obsolete, you think, this one?
0: I mean, I believe in monogamy, but do you really need a paper? To me, it's, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's, Another discussion in therapy, right? (laughs) not not for us. Not for us,
1: no, I'm not qualified to have that conversation.
0: So you were saying that, you know, that's what life is about, right? The people around you and your family and your closest friends. So for me, I think being out there, right? You put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. I put myself out there in media when you're doing this. And then you have to realize you're not going to be for everybody. Not everyone is going to like you. And what matters are the people that you have around you. And you need a strong circle of people.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I have felt that way since the beginning. And for better, for worse, I've kept my comedy circle close. And a lot of that's been because of I've always had my cousins and my sister and my family to just be like, yo, you know, like when I was at SNL the people I brought to the writer's room were like as guests were just like my cousins or people like my NYU friends that I've known since 2008, you know, it was, or 2004. It wasn't, it was like just random new people or random new friends that I've known for. It was just like the closest people I've been with me since day one, people whose couches I slept on and food I've eaten. Yeah, um, People who really know you. Yeah.
0: Because I mean, for me, I'll say being on a reality TV show, and everyone's going to have their opinion, but the opinions that matter are, you know, your family and your friends.
1: Exactly. That's all that matters. You come to learn that even if 49% of the people don't like you, 51% is still an important amount of people. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's really the only thing that carries,
0: exactly, carries
1: over, you know?
0: And where can we find your content? I mean, I think you're so funny. And Thank do you, you have plans on touring? Like, what's gonna happen?
1: Who knows? I mean, you know, we'll see how this small YouTube success will play out. You know, I went from you know, putting my hour out and then following it up with like tons of clips and then my half hour patel 2021, just trying to build on my subscriber count. And hopefully that converts to tickets. You know, like when I did the DC shows, that was all people who came from YouTube. And, you know, it feels like we're going to go on lockdown again for another two or three months. And it feels like we should. I'm pro that happening. Yeah. This needs to end australia and like taiwan are having like ultra fests i know, know. i'm <laughs> like, like i want to yeah. go yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like america is just like we're the best country in the world you yeah. know but i'm in I, florida
0: I, I think that's enough said right
1: th- yeah i mean i i was there this past weekend and it's yeah. like okay nothing's going on that's like what covid but Touring wise, we'll see. I mean, I, I have nothing booked that like officially, but I'm working on booking stuff for the next like cycle. I mean, hopefully, January, February, I can go to some places and be safe. But really, it's going to be focusing on my new job with Lily. And if you want to see me, all, all the stuff that I put out, it's like zooidiots.com is a thing I want everyone to watch because it's such a like I'm a stand up, but I needed to show the world look, I can write hardcore jokes, do animation, story structure, and that's the. Again, like my proudest thing of this year is the fact that I made a cartoon with a friend of mine. And then Patel 2020, if you want to watch stand-up.
0: And then what's your TikTok?
1: At Finding Nimesh.
0: There you go, guys. Thank you so much. I know Thank you have you. a lot going on. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for making the time.
0: Yeah, we'll be in touch.
1: For sure. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Good luck out there.
0: Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chat. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods